Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clubo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Howdy, Cliff. Hi, Bobo. How are you doing today? I got us a great guest today. And who is that? I'm excited about it, but I want you to tell everybody about this gentleman. Okay, today's guest is Mark. And I, you know, I honestly don't know how to say his last name. Probably, I think it's Capel. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, he's a New Zealand researcher. He was up in the U.S. for a long time doing paranormal investigations, UFO and ghost stuff. And then moved back to New Zealand, and then he got into the Bigfoot thing down there. Do you want to tell us about that, Mark? And this is Cliff, by the way. Hello. Oh, hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I um, uh, have a lot of experience uh, with the paranormal uh, going on decades, uh, some very frightening experiences. Uh, I went over to Skinwalker Ranch in 2013 uh, with my then girlfriend, and uh, we had something. I went there for UFOs. It, instead, up on UFO Hill there, we had something like a Bigfoot, uh, something yelled out from the darkness, pitch darkness, and threw a rock that hit the ground like an explosion uh, up there on UFO Hill. And uh, I realized uh, after uh, analyzing the audio that it was a big rock that had been thrown right by us. And um, I figured that it was a Bigfoot uh, there from the Uinta Basin. Um, and so I, um, I went back to New Zealand in 2015, had some very strange things happen when I got back here. I, I started, uh, going into these bush areas. Basically I was interested just to looking, you know, at the wildlife and, um, going in some old gold uh, mining areas and some strange things started to happen out there. I'd uh, get the feelings of being watched. I'd get these, uh, bipedal footsteps, uh, also, I got a very strange message came through on a paranormal investigation, uh, basically uh, uh, the strange voice that repeats, basically saying uh, Bigfoot and, and says something about accepting the Bigfoot people, big people, and repeated. Uh, this is on a uh, Radio Shield San Gian Spirit Box. So I, was, I was quite floored by the message. Is that one of those ghost like voice box things? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, basically it's a, a, a radio-shielded ghost box uh, I, I used, and this repeated message, um, very strange, um, along with uh, just uh, I, I nearly died uh, recently, uh, and something else very strange had happened. I had this, uh, oh, some sort of shadow, uh, almost like a shadow being that raced up to me and um, put something in my heart area, and uh, the ambulance Staff were surprised I was still alive. I had had a uh, a uh, medicine interaction that uh, nearly killed me. So I've had some very strange things ha happen back here, along with UFOs, um, uh, a lot of paranormal stuff. But 
Yeah, so I, I, I got very interested in Bigfoot uh, when I came back to New Zealand after these uh, strange experiences. Now, I grew up here. Um, I never knew that we even had Bigfoot. Well, you know, um, I know the United States and other places in the world, one of the more compelling ideas that Sasquatches do exist in those areas is the um, historical accounts, starting with the native indigenous people that live in those areas. Um, what sort of native and uh, well, indigenous uh, stories are there from New Zealand that you can share with us? Well, um, we have the, the Maori, the, the Polynesian people who uh, arrived here before the modern Europeans arrived. Uh, they talked about uh, these wild men, um, like half man, half animal. Uh, there's various names for them. There's the, the, Ma, the Moihau, named after the Moihau mountain range, uh, where they're reported to be. There's the Maro or the Mararo for long. There's the Matu, the Tuhorangi, the Tangur, uh I'm and the Rapuwai. I'm probably butchering some of those uh, those words, but there was various names, and they described them. Uh, some of them having claws. Um, uh, some of them they they described uh, would uh, would uh, um, easily overpower any of their warriors. Very strong, and they're quite terrified of uh, going into the, to these mountain areas. Uh, New Zealand has a lot of very deep, dense bush that's very hard to transverse. Um, and there's, there's some, if you look into some of the history uh, with the Maori people, uh, they did talk about these, these, these beings. And sometimes they named some of these places after them as well. Yeah, for the listeners, you're talking about more the North Island, right? Um, uh, North Island and also the South Island. There's a place in the South Island. Um, uh, there's, there's various names. There's the, uh, the Puki Mararo, which means the, the hills of the hairy man down in the South Island. Um, I had a, uh, a man that I took with me one time who told me about this place in the South Island that they were named after. So some of the places uh, also, in the, you know, as I say, in the South Island too, they are seen too. I, I actually run a blog and um, I've been working on a documentary. I get different reports from people through my YouTube YouTube channel and also through my website along with social media. Um, now, you would never think just by going by recent uh, media reports that, w- that people see them, but they do. It's just that there's uh, it's a it's a subject that's taboo here. Right. Yeah, people are um, – there's a real stigma about talking about having a sighting um, here in New Zealand. Now, why do you think that is? Well, it's a, it's a small town uh, kind of mentality here. Um, you know, people, you know, you know, people like to gossip. You know, it's a very small town mentality. People like to gossip, and uh, there's something about here in New Zealand. You know, people, uh, New Zealanders that leave New Zealand and go to Australia, they are more likely to talk about their sightings from over there. But uh, while I'm doing this documentary, I have found some uh, people, a handful of people, who are willing to talk openly on camera about their uh, sighting and uh, even former uh, government workers um, who have had sightings on the job as well. Well, I don't know if there's that many reports still coming in because I've always followed down down there, you know, I've always thought it was really interesting and I used to actually get uh, some messages from, she was a singer, who's a real famous singer, young girl from Lord. Oh, yes. Yeah, her dad, I guess, is a Moehau researcher down there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And he was friends with, uh, what was the guy, uh, Murray Cl- Cliff uh, Preston? 
the flood of the Concords. Reese Darby. Reese Darby. There you go. I'm a little astexic there. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked to him. He knew a, a few reports. Cliff and I met him in Portland, and he told us a few things about uh, some Moe Howe down there. But how many guys are out besides you down there really beating the bush and getting out there and looking for the Moe Howe? Uh, there are a handful of people. Uh, I, I suspect there's, there's a few, uh, not like in the United States or Australia. Uh, I know some personally, um, so, uh, most do not want to be known publicly about what they're doing. Um, I know people who've, uh, who work for the government who are very interested in, in this topic and have found footprints and structures. Uh, some have had sightings. Uh, some work for the Department of Conservation. I I do have, as I mentioned earlier, I have one uh, man that's uh, decided to go on camera and talk about his sighting on the job. Uh, but uh, generally, uh, these sightings are not reported in the news. Now, I did give a uh, my my um, my strange experiences that I had. Uh, I gave a report to the local news last year in 2019, and um, I had um, uh, talked about uh, what I ha- what I had experienced. Now, uh, they and I got interviewed on the radio or the news. There was a bit of a, a media frenzy lo- uh, locally here. That's how I heard about you. Oh, okay. All right. I wondered how you did. Um, uh, you know, some people have written books about them. Um, it's, it's generally uh, – most New Zealanders don't even know about New Zealand's Bigfoot. Uh, generally, people have to have uh, an encounter or hear from someone like a mate uh, who will talk about it. I, I do hear from um, hunters uh, uh, quite a bit about some very uh, strange sightings. And uh, very strange uh, sounds in the, from the wilderness. Like how, how often do you get reports? And are they from the same areas or spread out of the whole country? Uh, spread out throughout the whole country. Uh, I've gotten quite a few in the North Island, uh, north from me, about three hours north up by the Waipara Forest. Uh, I've gotten reports down in Coromandel. Uh, uh, people uh, seeing, like, uh, for example, uh, a strange uh, dark being uh, go across the, the highway there, uh, sighted by two people driving a car from the Coromandel region. Um, I do get reports in the South Island, like uh, I heard from one man in Otago who found giant footprints uh, he sent me some pictures. Now, New Zealand does rain a lot. So the thing is, footprints don't stay uh, very detailed for very long because of the rain. Is there a history of um, maybe historic newspaper reports from maybe the 1800s or early 1900s that uh, indicate that uh, people were running across these things as they were like settling the outskirts of towns and things like that? Yes. Um, in 1952, uh, the Taranaki Daily News uh, had uh, an article about two hunters that saw this ape-like creature. Um, and uh, so there was this report that there's not all that many reports. Uh, they mostly come in around uh, the 70s, uh, almost nothing after about the 80s. Um, there are reports uh, from miners. Um, some, as I say, some of the Maori have reported in their legends of them. Uh, there have been large footprints uh, found in 1903 in a Karanaheke Gorge in the Coromandel, uh, suggesting a creature over two and a half metres tall. Uh, let's see, I'm not sure how much that is in feet. I think that's about seven or so feet tall. Um, there was um, 
uh, are citing uh, a footprints by um, Australian cryptozoologist Rex Gilroy, who was over here uh, with his wife uh, in, I believe it was 1994, found these giant fossilized footprints in the, the Karanahaki Gorge re, uh, region as well, which is over in the, the Coromandel. Uh, in 1970, there were campers in the Milford Sound area that claimed to have been forced to abandon their camp after being harassed by a large hairy man-like creature. Uh, there's uh, in 1971 there was a ranger in the Nelson Lakes uh, region uh, national park uh, who discovered a trail of large man-like footprints uh, on snow-covered ground which led up to a forest. Uh, then we have uh, later in 1972 uh, pig hunters in the Coromandel uh, range sighted a two-metre hair-covered creature in distant scrub and discovered large footprints upon reaching the spot. So there are a number of reports out there, um, and I have gotten probably close to about two dozen reports from various people, um, including over in the Coromandel uh, region. Um, there was, of course, uh, um, that, that article um, in the Taranaki uh, Daily News report um, of the hunter sighting. Um, there's also the, the Mount Moihau, uh, the range there is reported by the natives, the Murray people, the place of, of the Pataperehe or the fairy people, um, or the place of the wild men, um, which, which the sacred mountain where they would carry their dead up this uh, close to 3,000-foot mountain, the highest peak in the region, um, surrounded by this beautiful uh, ocean region. Um, uh, they were very scared of, of these uh, beings. So it sounds like the history goes back uh, quite a ways, and it also spans quite a bit of the islands themselves. Uh, um, do you find that they're geographically um, located in, in areas that you would expect, or is it all over? Like, for example, mountains, mountains only, the low foothills, uh, forested areas, swamps. Like, what sort of terrain and habitat do these things seem to like to inhabit? Well, they tend to be more very thick bush areas where people uh – uh, are very unlikely to go. Uh, they tend to be mountains. Uh, sometimes, um, see, New Zealand is surrounded by ocean. It's about the size of California. It's not giant, but uh, people do report seeing them uh, around uh, mountain areas. Uh, areas they get reported in uh, bush areas, thick bushes. Even uh, they even get seen um, up on properties uh, right up against the bush. Uh, even up here in Auckland, West Auckland, the mountains, uh, the white. Tackery Mountains, I've gotten several reports of people seeing Bigfoots um, in the bush um, right behind people's homes. Uh, like, I, I was really surprised to get these reports because some of the people don't even, uh, you know, a lot of them don't even know each other. And I can kind of uh, triangulate these sightings to get an idea of where they're being seen. Uh, we, we get to see, uh, you know, we get to see reports of them uh, being uh, over in West Auckland, these mountains over here. But you see, the train is very thick. It's very hard. It's basically like uh, rainforest. And, you know, when I go out, I have to basically use machete to go out there. It's just one of those kinds of areas. Uh, it, it's very easy to get lost. And you, you can only see, like, uh, several feet in front of you. Um, so it's very tricky um, mountainous terrain to go through. Coromandel is like your guys' Bluff Creek, right? Isn't that like, that's the hot spot traditionally? 
Yes, that's where all the footprints and many sightings have been had over in the Coromandel region. Uh, there were reports, and it was thought that uh, there was one in 1882. The body of a headless, partly devoured prospector was found by um, Mari in the Martha uh, mine region. Um, th there's thoughts that uh, maybe a Moyihau or New Zealand's Bigfoot uh, maybe had done that, but of course I've I've heard of pigs doing the same thing. Wild pigs, um, uh, you know, there's, they feared that uh, that they were carnivorous, that they would uh, the Maori people were worried that they uh, might um, you know take them or eat them. Um, uh, they described them having claws and um, being quite ferocious. Now I've had my own personal experiences and um, had quite the opposite. Uh, the ones that I'm um, dealing with uh, in this uh, particular area that uh, my just myself I know about um, and maybe uh, see a couple of other people know of. I've kind of kept to myself, but I've had some pretty amazing experiences with them out there. I'm getting uh, anomalous voices uh, in English, some of them saying my name. Um, I sent some audio samples to you uh, earlier uh, about some of the uh, voices that I've gotten out there. Uh, some of them actually uh, will more mimic you when you're out there as well. Yeah. Did you get a chance to listen to those, Cliff? Yeah, I listened. I couldn't tell what I was hearing, honestly. I, I didn't. I was. I, I did a once through on each of them before I, I tried to join the call here, and I wasn't quite sure what I was listening for in the background, so I probably just missed it. Yeah, basically, uh, we really need to use, I'm not sure if you use headphones, but some pretty good uh, headphones. You can hear the voices uh, through the headphones. Uh, generally, um, when I play through the computer speakers, the voices aren't that clear, but when you play through headphones, they're quite a bit easier to hear. Um, I get the whoops. Uh, the I also get the, the whoop. I, I kind of get uh, – sometimes I hear them say that and they'll repeat it. Um, one of the challenges that I'm having with the, with the audio aspect is um, I basically wear, uh, um, I wear uh, GoPro cameras when I go out and the audio doesn't necessarily get picked up very clearly. So I just recently got a parabolic dish to pick up the audio better. Yeah, I couldn't make out too much on those. I listened on good headphones. I could, I could hear what you were talking about, but it was – yeah, it was hard to make out much. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, I mean, uh, they're in the they're embedded with the the wildlife. Of course, there's a lot of birds singing when I'm out there as well. So they're kind of in between the uh, you know hearing the wildlife. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Sonidos of our music. Sonidos of our voices. Sonidos of our stories. Listen to the sounds and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso en Satellites, and podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more. From music to stories, all that we are is in the sonidos of our culture. Listen now on Pandora. You know, speaking of the wildlife, I have to confess, I don't know very much about New Zealand, honestly. I've never been there. I have never read any books about it. And uh, I mean, I think most Americans really all they know about it is what they've seen on Lord of the Rings or Flight of the Concords. I mean, um, to be fair, and I, I know that's kind of sad, but it's true. And I just don't know that much about it. Can you tell us about some of the wildlife and some of the habitat that one would expect to find down there so we can understand what uh, the kind of context in which these things might be living? 
Okay, well, the the, the, um, the wildlife areas, uh, it, New Zealand is very steep. Uh, there's uh, a lot of, uh, like, ravines. Uh, you go to the mountains here, it's all, as I say, if you once you're in, in the uh, wilderness area, it tends to be very thick, very hard to get through. Um, what we have is we've got uh, wildlife that's unique to New Zealand and only found in New Zealand. So they're very uh, serious. The government is very serious about protecting the wildlife that's here we have like for example the kiwi uh, a flightless bird uh, New Zealand has been isolated from other countries so we uh, did not have the predators that might be found in in other countries uh, unfortunately things like wildcats uh, get out there and destroy um, some of the uh, the native uh, wildlife we have the the tuatua uh, lizard uh, we have um, uh, we don't have things like monkeys. We don't have bears. We don't have coyotes. Um, so, yeah, we don't have things like crocodiles. We don't have anything like tigers. Uh, you know, we have the, the, the wild pigs, that, which can be quite dangerous. You guys, don't you guys got moose and elk released on the island too and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, I understand there have been sightings of moose in the South Island. Uh, we've got deer in certain areas. I have not heard of them being so much in the North Island, but they do tend to be more in the South Island areas. Uh, when I go out, um, the only wildlife that I hear of, of course, the birds, uh, the occasional pigs, the pigs, which I find uh, like their little their hoof marks in the mud occasionally, Um but the we used to have the, the giant mower. I don't know if you've heard of the giant mower before, which is, is thought to be extinct. Uh, basically, like a giant emu, uh, they basically got, got wiped out. Apparently, they were uh, quite favoured by uh, the Maori as being eaten. They would trap them. Basically, around nine, nine or so feet tall, very tall birds, um, flightless um, birds that uh, were kind of like an emu, giant emu. Yeah, like a big, giant ostrich of some sort, you know, like, yeah, that could, uh, they seem very actually dangerous. They could probably kick the hell out of you. Yeah, very big legs. Um, um, there have been reports of sightings uh, of them in the South Island. Now, there's a lot of very remote areas which you can only get to by helicopter down there. Um, so the, I, I think personally, I think you could have a, a hidden um, um, cluster of them somewhere uh, far away from humanity, uh, and you could only really reach uh, by going by helicopter uh, or perhaps um, on a canoe uh, downstream. Now, what I'm gathering by listening to you, you keep mentioning down on the South Island, this happened. So the South Island is just much more remote and uh, more sparsely populated, I'm gathering. That's right, yes. We have the Southern Alps down there, um, which is a big mountain range that, that goes uh, all the way down from the top of the, uh, the South Island, uh, all the way down um, down Otago Way. Um, and, uh, yes, it's it's very, very wild down there. Uh, there's areas that the people just don't go. Uh, you could quite easily get lost out there. Uh, one thing that I recommend to people, if you're going to go looking for Bigfoot New Zealand, you better go prepared for emergencies. Uh, carry, like, a, a GPS uh, emergency beacon with you. Right, what, what sort of dangers would be uh, out in the woods? Like, are there venomous snakes, like, over in Australia? I mean, you said there are no bears or anything like that. The, the hogs, I guess, would be something to be concerned about. But uh, are there anything else uh, Are there anything else living out in the woods that might um, perhaps be – we should want to be concerned about if you went Bigfooting down there? 
Well, the good thing about here is there are no snakes that, that we have to worry about uh, when we go out. So that's really a nice, nice aspect. Is uh, yeah, it's just pretty much just uh, uh, you know uh, wild boars that you have to watch out for. You know, maybe deer. I've heard of deers attacking people, but um, uh, no, it's pretty it's pretty safe down here. The main thing is is uh, you know uh, you know not falling down a slope. Um, uh, and going uh, during good weather, uh, telling someone where you're going, uh, those are the main things. Now, we do have to worry about if, we, if we're going looking for Bigfoot and some of these uh, gold mining areas, you have to watch out for shafts and, and be, especially in the Coromandel region, uh, worry about things like that. Sounds like it's mostly man-made dangers or self-imposed dangers then. Definitely, yes. Look, from what I know, the, the Bigfoot beings are extremely strong. They can rip trees down. Uh, in the area where I go, uh, I had there was probably about a dozen or so mature, healthy trees that were ripped down by them, and no evidence of lightning strikes uh, or tornado, um, very strong um, uh, creatures or beings. Uh, yeah, I think they're a kind of pe- uh, people, an ancient people who are highly intelligent, um, who can get involved with you. There's some very strange what we might call woo aspects. I've experienced some of what might be called the woo uh, or supernatural uh, aspects to them. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Well, one of the first things that I realized there was something not normal that's not a normal creature is when I was, I would go out to this area. When I first went out, I went out just to explore some old historical gold areas, very, uh, you know, overgrown area. I'd, I'd get these bipedal uh, footsteps. Sometimes I'd have uh, wood knocks. One time I was walking out. Now, now, where I go, there are no tracks except for one, a very old track that no one uses. I was walking back. Oh, look, I just took a leak on the side when I was walking out. Uh, I heard something walking towards me. I was right on the edge of this very steep ravine. I heard something walking towards me. And it approached me. I could not see what it was. That was very alarming. Um, this, this is what led me um, into perhaps a interdimensional or perhaps um, some kind of being that's cloaked or somehow camouflage. I don't know, and I'm trying to understand what's going on here. I found uh, solitary footprints. Um, I've, I've got these, these voices that, um, sometimes I'll say my name. Um, uh, sometimes I'll repeat what I say. Like I, I did a whoop one time and then they whoop back after me. Um, sometimes I'll copy, uh, even the word, the mother which is one of the names they actually copied me saying this. Uh, I took a man with me, uh, by the name of Devin and, um, uh, he heard singing there. We found these footprints uh, in this area. There was one that we found in this triangular kind of glyph on the ground. Uh, and basically, when you go out there, you have to use a machete. Uh, basically, I climb using vines. Very slippery. Uh, it's not the kind of area where you'd walk around in bare feet. Uh, there's blackberry. There's gorse. There's cutty grass. Uh, no one in their right mind is going to walk around in bare feet in these areas. Well, you know, when we were in Australia, one of the confounding things for me, one of the things that uh, made it complicated was that the indigenous people there 
always walk around in bare feet. Is that true of New Zealand as well? I mean, the, the indigenous people there uh, told me that like the only time we wear uh, shoes at all is when we go into the cities because they're dirty. Um, and, and so when we're, I saw footprints, Bobo saw them too, when we were in Australia that were um, uh, ascribed to the, the brown jack, the smaller Sasquatch-like species that they say lives in Australia. Um, uh, so I guess I, I have two questions for you. The, the indigenous people there, do they habitually go barefoot as they do in Australia? And number two, is there a record of another species of these things down in New Zealand, like like the brown jack in Australia versus the yowie of Australia? Uh, that, that is a very good point. Um, now, I don't know, um, you know, except for maybe kids that might walk, walk around and bare feet, like going to the beach. Um I don't know of, of people, especially in these very wild – and now I'm talking about the very thick wilderness. Um, I don't know of people that walk around in bare feet um, in these very wild – now I'm talking about these areas that are very formidable, These the kind of areas uh, basically you would hike into. Now maybe like a swimming hole, you might – you know, kids might or people might go swimming. Yes, you could expect to find footprints there. But my understanding um, – Yes, maybe the, the Aborigines may, may do that, but as far as in New Zealand, I don't know that they may have done that in um, old times. But uh, a, a lot of the Maori uh, people uh, moved to suburbia, um, you know, along with uh, you know, um, getting jobs and uh, uh, you know, getting homes and stuff. Uh, there's not a lot of people in the wilderness area these days. That um, I spoke to uh, a Maori gentleman oh about a month ago. I did an interview with them and um, you know some of the Maori say oh we've never heard of these kinds of things they've kind of lost the legend of the Bigfoot symbol because basically they've moved into the cities they've forgotten these traditions and this uh, gentleman was basically just talking about uh, these beings and respect he'd actually seen like a 12 foot one and uh, had some experiences but the people that tend to live over the, uh, by the wilderness or in the bush are more likely to have an encounter out there. Sure, or even to believe in these things, for that matter, I imagine. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, and they didn't have a written language, uh, you know, when the Europeans came across them. Uh, basically, they would uh, communicate their, their history through uh, song and dance and also through carvings as well. Okay. Now, uh, the, the, to the second question, uh, in Australia, they have the Yowie and they have the Brown Jack. And I forget the other name. There's a, a name that starts with the J for the Brown Jack. It escapes you for the moment. But is there a Jujury? Is that right? Something like that. Right. Um, so is there, a, is there a tradition of two different kinds in, uh, in New Zealand as well? Or is it just the big ones, so to speak? Well, they're, they're varying sizes. Um, there are some that are reported around five, six feet tall, uh, more like man size. Uh, the Moihals are reportedly to be more man-like in size. Uh, and then the, the Matu um, or the Rapawais are, are big, clumsy. But I, I suspect that they may be, may be the, same, uh, the same beings. Uh, I have come across uh, small footprints as well as uh, larger ones as well. I've I've come across prints that, that are larger than my size, size 11 boots, uh, and I've come across small ones. So there's also uh, the Barry talked about the uh, what's called the Patu Perehe or, or the fairy people that supposedly lived in the mists of the mountain, um, and they had stories about them taking some of their their princesses and interbreeding with them. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I, I'm not so sure about uh, you know what what the legends are in Australia. Uh, there being like uh, many Bigfoots, but as I say, I have come across uh, these these smaller footprints as well. But I suspect that they are juvenile Bigfoots and um, are basically a tribe, basically a family of them, where you've got little ones, you've got big ones. Okay, yeah. That, that, when I was in Australia, that was one of my, one of my questions: is that uh, are, are these smaller ones that they report just juvenile yowies? Um, but the um, the people down there, the the indigenous people, were just insistent that they were completely different, and um, even the researchers were insistent upon that. And I thought it just to, to some reason, you know, that if if that's true in Australia, then perhaps that maybe is also true in, uh, in New Zealand. But it doesn't sound like it to me. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, but I, I do know that there's juveniles. What they do, is, what I've noticed is they like to copy humans. Uh, I, there was, I found this area. Uh, this is right in the middle of the bush. There's no train tracks. There's no tracks out there. I came across this, this series of cinder blocks that have been built around these, these uh, curry trees, um, and basically, they set up like a like a hut, um, like kids would. Uh, this now you know cinder blocks are heavy. They're construction blocks to make houses. Well, they're they're really heavy to carry out. Um, I, I mean, without using a helicopter, it would be extremely difficult to carry out into the wild in the middle of the wilderness. Uh, I came across um, uh, these little like teepee structures uh, around this uh, what I call Sasquatch Playhouse. I came across these little juvenile prints uh, right by a stream. Uh, so it's really some really weird stuff. And sometimes I get these bipedal approaches. I'd get these little these tree knocks out there. I'd, I'd hear these voices as well. Sometimes my my cameras would pick them up, but they wouldn't. Uh, necessarily come out all that clearly um, on the audio on the camera, but I could hear them sometimes, and sometimes I'd hear them live. But um, I, um, I, you know, from my my experience, I'm just talking about my my counters. Uh, I've come across the juveniles who are very curious about humans. Uh, they like sometimes they like to follow uh, follow humans through the bush. Um, I mean, I've heard from other people who've talked about getting followed in the bush. The, one of the feelings of you know feelings of being watched out there as well uh, is one of the telltale signs. Uh, and what, one of the interesting things about the Maori is they talk about uh, before they even had contact with the Europeans, they were talking about having stones thrown at their people. And uh, as you know, Bigfoot throats, that's one of the things that they sometimes do is they throw rocks or they throw stones at people um, when they're in their area. Well, certainly little Kiwi birds aren't doing that, right? No. <laughs> Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. In the United States and, and Canada, there are, there's written records of modern day researchers going back into the 1950s. Um, and so we all, you know, Bobo and I and everybody else who does Bigfoot today, we're standing on the shoulders of the giants who came before us, so to speak. Um, you know, uh, uh, Grover Krantz and John Green and the like, you know. Um, so in uh, in New Zealand, is are, are there... Um, are there books that like you use for re reference that you go to and uh, like what, what sort of, who came before you that you owe a little bit to in that, in that same way? 
there's a author, Nicola McCloy. She's uh, uh, written a book uh, about the Moihau Man and some of the other uh, strange uh, cryptids here in New Zealand. Uh, there's a researcher by the name of Mark Warbank who runs a paranormal group here in New Zealand called Haunted Auckland. He has also uh, written on them as well. Um, uh, what I've gone by a lot, uh, first I had my own experiences, then I started looking at uh, you know, uh, newspaper reports. Uh, I started looking at people's uh, personal encounters. I started talking to people uh, doing podcasts. I've started talking to other researchers uh, here in New Zealand, uh, some who, who really don't want to be known because of, they don't want to lose their job. Um, I, so I've gone by a lot of reports. I've tried to um, put pieces together from different sources uh, to try and get a picture. But basically what I've done is I've sort of tried to go by, have my own experience. And I've gone back probably a, a couple of dozen of times uh, to, in, wearing cameras. Basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, record what's going on so I can go back over it and say, hey, yeah, I, I did actually hear this voice. Uh, yes, I did see something pull back the branch. Um, so I'm really trying to record what's going on out there. Um, some very strange things has have happened um, out there. Um, some very other, other strange things happened, like um, when I first came across this area, um, strange things started to happen in the home. Um, the kids' toys would move by themselves. Um, so very strange. Like what, what I'll just say in quotations, I'll just say phenomena. Uh, things started happening inside the home, uh, almost like poltergeist phenomena. Not not like really bad stuff, but um, just some really weird stuff. And I had mentioned uh, earlier too about that shadow creature that raced up to me. Uh, things like that, um, uh, along with this very strange message that I got through instrumental trans communication telling me to accept the Bigfoot people. Now, if I hadn't got that message that said accept the Bigfoot people, then I thought, well, maybe this is a Pataperehe or the fairy people there. I, you know, I, I wonder, you know, when when um, when people give these creatures names, um, how much overlap there is with with our, they're talking about the same thing, um, and I wondered. I also <laughs> I went to look for Bigfoot about by Mount Moihau back in 2017 by Mount Moihau and uh, actually came across <laughs> um, uh, sources traveling around Mark III, uh, which I caught on my SLR. So I have a theory how they got to New Zealand, uh, or, or one of two. Um, uh, so I've had some very strange things happen while I've been doing a filming of what's going on down here. Um, like when I was over by Skinwalker Ranch, I went to I uh, went to try to get UFOs on camera. Instead, I have a Bigfoot encounter. And and when I was uh, in 2017, when I was back in New Zealand, I go to look for Bigfoot. Instead, I have uh, these this UFO uh, like encounter uh, where I capture these uh, these craft on my on my SLR. So it's a very strange stuff that happens. Um, what I'll just call phenomena. Uh, and so basically I'm trying to get an understanding 
uh, what's going on. Um, I know a lot of people don't want to talk about some of this other stuff that goes on, but I think it's very important as a researcher to report what people see. Uh, sometimes it may sound very strange. I mean, the subject of Bigfoot is very strange in itself. Uh, what, why is one never caught? We could ask ourselves, why are they never caught? Well, one, they're extremely strong, fast. They seem to have abilities that we don't have. We're at a handicap when we're in the mountains, we're in the bush, we're in the forest. They have the abilities that we don't seem to have. Uh, they're, they're, they're very well built, made for that environment. So you mentioned that you hear the voices, basically them imitating your sounds or, or other human sounds. Um, do you ever hear knocks? Because that's something quite common here in North America, these knocking sounds or clapping sounds or something. Yes, tree knocks, yeah. I, I do get uh, tree knocks quite often. I, I even had one right next to me, and I could not see what made the sound. Uh, that's what kind of was really troubling at first, uh, trying to understand what the heck was going on out here. Am I, look, I do have a paranormal investigation background. First of all, I was thinking, well, am I dealing with ghosts, some kind of ghost? Uh, but ghosts generally do not have uh, the strength to rip down mature, healthy trees. Um, and, they, and as far as I know, ghosts do not procreate. Um, and so I've had a lot of experiences uh, dealing with paranormal subjects, so some very frightening experiences. Um, but, yes, I do get tree knocks quite a bit when I'm out there, um, and, and sometimes I capture them quite clearly in the knocks um, on camera. And sometimes stone, stone clacks as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Because we get that here in the in North America as well. The the clacking of rocks back and you know against each other. There's even been rocks found that show clear marks of scoring together uh, next to possible Sasquatch nests out there in Washington. So, so uh, Mark, in general, is there a way you can kind of um, succinctly kind of sum up what you think is going on with this whole Bigfoot thing? You know, like, like, because uh, it seems that like uh, you dabble a little bit in, more in the weird stuff as opposed to strictly biological. Uh, like, wh where's the line? Like, what do you think is going on? Tell, is there a way that you can wrap it up, or is it just simply I don't know yet? Well, it's to me, it's a big question mark. Um, yeah, I know this. You know, there's a lot of people that say, okay, Bigfoot's a physical physical creature seems very physical, leaves footprints, uh, leaves trace evidence. Uh, then there's people that, that, that see sometimes something physical, then it fades away. There's sometimes, uh, I know some of the, the American Indians have talked about Bigfoot being invisible, that it could be next to you and you wouldn't know it. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's multiple beings uh, that are being seen and experienced. I don't know if there's some that are more physical, but I tell you what, these ones that I'm dealing with here, they have all the phenomena associated with Bigfoot. However, they seem to have abilities to travel into what I'd say interdimensionally. Um, some of the stuff you probably have, you know, Skinwalker Ranch, Bigfoot-like beings are seen over there, but they're semi-transparent, uh, predator-like. Uh, I've experienced what what would be called the supernatural or the woo aspect, where they can walk up to you and you can't see them. It's pretty disturbing. Uh, I, I think 
I think they have uh, the ones that, are, that I'm dealing with. I think they have interdimensional abilities. I I have what I think is audio proof of a of an interdimensional Bigfoot. Basically, one of the audio that I sent you that is pretty clear that says they're the Bigfoot people. Basically, saying except the Bigfoot people, big people that repeats. Uh, very weird. This came through my spirit box. So I think that I've captured something that shows uh, that's paranormal. Uh, at least these ones are paranormal uh, um, um, in this way. Um, um, they're coming from some other realm. Um, uh, and, and same up in Skinwalker Ranch, voices would be heard uh, by people. They couldn't see what was making the voices. I, I have gotten some of that in this area. Some of the languages I don't even know, um, uh, using words that are not known as well. The very strange stuff going on. So I don't know. There, there, there could be, uh, you know, the ones that are more physical. Why aren't they ever caught? They're incredibly smart. Um, they have they have abilities that we don't seem to have. Now, uh, how can people get in contact with you if they want to learn more or look more deeply into your research? Or you, you said you're planning a documentary and maybe a book. Tell us a little bit about that, like your your projects, like what's next for you, and also how people can get a hold of you if they want to learn more. Yeah, um, they could go to hauntedman.net, um, and on there I've got uh, a contact me section. There's also a link to my YouTube channel, which I have videos of me going out there. Uh, my documentary I've been working on for about four years. I've got um, interviews with people uh, on camera uh, about, and these are recent sightings within the last couple of years as well. Uh, so people can just reach me through my website, hauntedman.net um, is the best way to reach me and um uh, i also do uh podcasts uh, about every couple of weeks as well you produce your own podcast yeah podcasts um yeah I, yeah about every two weeks i do podcasts and you put those out on your youtube channel yeah mostly on my youtube channel yes i could just uh, link up through hauntedman.net and tell us about what other sort of things they can see on your youtube channel if they want to go look uh, they can see some of the footprints that I've come across. Uh, I, one, uh, one of my videos, I'm actually making a casting of, of one of the prints. Uh, there's another video called Sasquatch Interaction in New Zealand. You can go in there, and I actually go into this torn tree area. You can hear the wood knocks, the bipedal footsteps. Uh, you can hear the voice. You can see a tree getting pulled back. Uh, in response to me, uh, in, a, in a period of about 10 minutes, you can hear all of that. Uh, the main thing is getting a one-on-one -on -one sighting. They're very tricky to get on camera uh, visually. Absolutely. That's no different than here, right? Oh, oh exactly. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, um, thanks so much for coming on with us. Really do appreciate it because I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in Bigfoot and I know almost nothing about the Mui Howe. So I really appreciate you enlightening us and sharing what your experiences are and your researches with uh, the North American audience and everywhere else that, we, you know, we have listeners in the world. So thank you so much for spending the time with us and enlightening us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks. We, you know, we're actually really popular with this podcast down in New Zealand. So it's great. We finally got a Kiwi on with us. <laughs> yeah, there's not too many of us uh, that talk out openly about it. So uh, it's, it can be quite refreshing to hear from this, uh, this part of the world. Well, hopefully you get some new reports from our listeners because we get a lot of uh, listeners out of New Zealand. 
Yeah, no, that that's great. Um, I, I've gotten people contact me from New Zealand here. Uh, some of them have talked to nobody else, so it's really nice to get those reports. Uh, you know, it's also through social media as well. I get you know a number of reports through social media as well. But one of you know people's sightings and footprints and stuff. Right. Cool. Yeah. Let us know if, you, if anything big comes through. Get a hold of us, and we'll have you back on. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for having me. Okay, Mark. Well, thanks so much for joining Cliff and myself. We appreciate it a lot. And keep it squatchy down in New Zealand. Cheers. Well, what'd you think, Cliff? I liked it. I liked it. You've been talking about the Bigfoot in New Zealand for a long time, and I've just really never run across much, if any, information on it. So I was thrilled with you inviting Mark on. That was pretty cool to talk to a researcher firsthand who's been out in the bush, as they say, in New Zealand. Yeah, I've only talked to one other guy, and he was actually an Australian that went over there and did it a few times. But yeah, he's the first Kiwi researcher I've spoken to myself, and I've been following it down there for over 20 years. Yeah, maybe, I mean, there might even be some listeners we have in New Zealand that didn't know about Mark, and now they can reach out through hauntedman.net and get a hold of him and start comparing notes. Because speaking for myself, I've been Bigfooting since 1994, pretty seriously, you know? But it wasn't until the early 2000s when I started talking to other Bigfoot researchers and comparing notes, because, you know, I'm kind of a quiet introvert. So when I started socializing and networking a bit more with the Bigfooters, that's when my real growth in Bigfooting started to happen. And so maybe Maybe, you know, maybe this podcast will be a catalyst for that some, somehow down in um, New Zealand where some unknown researcher has been quietly doing it by him or herself can reach out to Mark and start comparing notes. Yeah, I'm really hoping we hear something new come out of there to get, get some more information. And I want to go down there myself. I mean, place is awesome. Yeah, I'd like to get down there, too. OK, folks, well, we want to thank Mark Koppel for coming on, our first New Zealand investigator we've had on the show. And so if you like it, share it. And until next time, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 